Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. You could probably finish this phrase uh, with me, and uh, maybe you've said this many times. I'm just trying to... Well, that's a good one, but that's, I'm, I'm thinking of a different word, but you're, it's, a, it's like, that's like the thesaurus of what I'm going to say. So that's good. So uh, I'm just trying to, somebody said it, I'm just trying to survive. That's it. I'm just trying to survive. I'm sure some of you felt that way, especially this week. Uh, man, I know there's people in this room who've had like uh, limbs of trees go through their roof. And uh, my, my, my property was um, just a disaster of limbs. Uh, five guys near my house tried to lift up one of, the thi- one of the limbs that fell off our tree. We couldn't. We're like, okay, let's just wait till we cut this, you know? It was that, like that much of a mess. But that often, we often feel that in our own lives, like we're crushed under stuff. I hear this often from people. I, ju- I just feel crushed under things. Maybe a friendship goes bad. Maybe there's conflict in family, uh, in, in deeper relationships. That, that's happening. Uh, maybe, you know, it's a money issue or a financial issue. Sometimes I talk to people who are making a ton of money, but they still say, I'm just trying to survive because they're so busy making the money. And they're like, I'd trade off the money for life. And so whatever the situation is, often we feel that. And that, that, that call to survive, that desire that comes from us at times, it's really a cry for life. And I can't stop thinking about life this Easter uh, as I was thinking and trying to pray and discern and like, God, what do, what do we talk about this Easter? Obviously, we know what to talk about this Easter, but it's just, you know, kind of the theme. And just the word life kept coming back over and over to my mind and my heart. This hunger and hope in so many people's hearts these days with so much things that are going on in our lives, in our city, around the world. We want, we want to live, right? And we want a life. If you're familiar with the sayings of Jesus, there's one that's really popular. And uh, he said this. He said, I've come to give you life and life to the fullest. Some versions of the Bible say differently. But basically, Jesus was quoted saying this. I came to give you life. And he he said in, in that context, some things try and steal that life from you. Some things or people and often rooted in Satan or evil want to deceive you from it. But I've come to give it to you. I've come to give you life. That's not a promise for perfection. It's not a promise for wealth and prosperity or status, but it's a promise for life that only he can give that does not compare anywhere else. But, you know, that's an amazing promise. But that promise would be empty, would be an empty promise on most magazine covers. It'd be an empty promise on Super Bowl ads. It'd be an empty promise all over the place. But today we're celebrating a promise that Jesus fulfilled, like it happened. He did it. He rose from the grave. He lived. He died. He lived again. And he's still living. That's like you can trust the guy who's lived twice and still lives and still lives. And so I want to read the Easter story with you from Luke's gospel. And uh, I love the details in this story. So if you got your Bibles, turn to it. If you're following here, just listen or follow off the screen or online if you're following us online. And here's... Uh, just a continuation from what, if you've been part of our church these last five or six weeks, we've been just journeying towards Easter and even towards the, the, the Thursday, the Last Supper, the Friday, the crucifixion. Last Sunday, we talked about Holy Saturday and the burial. Well, the story continues and we pick up right here today in this. So here's Luke 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, 
they came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed down their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the 11 and to all the rest of them. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother, uh, Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb and stooping in and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves then he went home amazed at what happened. God, as we immerse ourselves in this story today, we've been, as a church community, journeying towards Easter. Many here today, maybe for the first time, or just joining us today, are just coming to, to be reminded of life that is possible in Easter and through the resurrection. And as we just sit in this story today, God, would you just grab our attention, captivate our hearts and our minds um, even as we've been singing this theme today, Christ is risen. Help us to see what you want us to see today and hear what you want us to hear, especially those here who are hungering for life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Like I said, I, I love the details in this story. The, the women, it, when you hear they in the story, it, Luke's talking about these women who, were, who came to the tomb that day. They show up to the tomb with spices. It's not your typical funeral gift that this would, you know, would take place in our culture. Uh, but in those days, uh, when someone would die, they would, they would initially bury them or put them in a tomb and then wait six months to a year until then they would kind of really then bury the, bury the bones. And so uh, friends and family and others would prepare the body to prevent an odor and things like that. And on Friday night, it was these women who saw someone named Joseph uh, putting Jesus's body in a tomb. So they saw this taking place. They go home to prepare spices to, for Jesus's body, but they wait over the weekend because it's Friday night. And as a Jew, they would have waited for Sabbath to take, uh, to take place because Sabbath for a Jew is a do nothing day. And it's a do nothing day. Not even if your friend dies. It's a do-nothing day, not even to prepare your friend's body for burial. And so these women show up Sunday morning, the first day of this new week. They show up um, with spices, but they went there expecting a dead body. That's why they had spices. But there was no stone, no body, but they do meet these really cool guys with dazzling clothes. I have no idea what that means. I'm just thinking glitter, um, but I'm sure it's much more extravagant than that. But I'm going to assume that Luke is referring to angels here that show up and they tell these women, hey, he's not here. He's risen again. He's not here. He's risen from the grave. So they make a beeline for the disciples, as we read, and they re go reach out to the apostles who are hiding out and disillusioned in some apartment somewhere. And I love the irony of the first century culture. It's like women are telling men what's really going on, you know, and they're like, guys, you're so lost. We know the whole story here, you know, and, and so they're, they're so excited. And obviously it's big news, right? So big that the apostles don't even believe them. They're like, this is some here like this can't be possible but Peter gets up runs to the tomb to see for himself 
and finds that it's true, and he's amazed. Now, before Luke gets, continues this scene that happens as the women tell the apostles, he shifts to another scene. We're not going to read it, but he shifts to another scene, and he tells us another story about two people walking back home from Jerusalem during this weekend or on this day. And as they're walking back, Jesus shows up beside them. They don't know it's Jesus. They, they can't fathom this. They, they don't understand. But they see this, this guy shows up and starts walking with them and talking with them. And they invite this person, Jesus, into their home. They start talking. As they break bread, as they break bread, it just clicks. Like this, is, you know, and Jesus lets them know that this was part of the story. And so all of a sudden, they're amazed. This blows their minds. They run back to tell the disciples too. And then Luke brings us back to the house or back to this place where everyone's present, the disciples, these two people, the women, and this whole entourage of people. And in that moment, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. This is how Luke pretty much almost ends his gospel besides, besides you know, just before the ascension. And Jesus shows up, and it's a show-and-tell moment. We don't do this too much in schools anymore, right? Show and tell. But Jesus gets in, and it's a show and tell moment. Guys, here, look, I want to show you my hands. I want to show you my feet. It's really me. They're cooking some food, broiling fish. Jesus is like, I'd be glad to eat some. I'm kind of hungry. It's been a difficult weekend. And so, <laughs> so, so he eats with them. He spends time with them. They're like, this, he's really, like, this is him, and he's really alive. He's resurrected. And as much as there's so much good in that moment, this is what catches my attention this season as I'm rereading this story. Because how often has someone told you these words? I told you this would happen. Has anybody told you? We've heard that, right? Or we've said it to other people. Like, I told you this would happen. I told you this would take place. And like every, in every scene, Luke gives us kind of like the I told you so moment. So in the last scene, uh, you know, we read this, that Jesus says to them, here's verse 44 in the last chapter. Then Jesus said to them, these are my words. I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from right here in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So Jesus, when he shows up, reminds them, like, I told you this would happen. We talked about this. It's been part of the story from the beginning, pointing to this moment. If we go to the first scene that we read, verse 6, here are what, what these angels tell the women, and they say the same thing. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again? So again, even here, the angels are telling the women, remember, he told you this was going to happen. And then there's this moment with these two people walking back home who Jesus talks with. And in one verse, as Jesus is speaking with them, it says, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. These are like moment by moment by moment, right in this crazy resurrection scenes, these I told you so moments. And it does something. It exposes something in the disciples. It exposes something in the women. It exposes something in these people listening to Jesus. It exposed their lack of trust in what Jesus already told them. Jesus already told them this was going to happen. 
Jesus already alluded to this. They already, they were Jewish. They already had their scriptures that were clues to this, that this would take place. But they didn't take him seriously. They didn't believe him. Or maybe, maybe, it's not that they didn't, um, you know, see the authority in Jesus' teaching, which they did and were following him. Maybe resurrection was just so crazy that they didn't think that that was like really what he meant, that this would really happen. And so they ignored that part. So in this moment, in these I told you so moment, it exposes their lack of trust or lack of attention maybe to what Jesus was saying. But resurrection doesn't just expose what they missed. It exposes what they expected. So in what they expected, no one expected resurrection like this. The Jews didn't expect it. They believed, very, many Jews believed that one day in the future, a resurrection would take place and God would restore all things. Romans didn't believe in resurrection at all. And obviously, Joseph, who buried Jesus in this tomb, the women who prepared the spices, the disciples who were in this apartment kind of disillusioned, they didn't expect it. Maybe they heard, they remembered something, but they're like, can't be true. And if they, they didn't expect it. N.T. Wright says it like this. He says, nobody had ever dreamed that one single living person would be killed stone dead and then raised to a new sort of bodily life the other side of the grave while the rest of the world carried on as before because something unique happened with Jesus. He's a resurrected person among people who are living their first life. Very different, but he did it and he rose and he defeated death and he's alive and he's still alive. He's still alive. And it makes what he accomplished two days earlier, three days earlier, two nights earlier at the crucifixion, it makes what he accomplished in his death much more powerful. Not only did he exhaust the powers of sin and death as he, he inserts himself, God inserts himself under the sentence of injustice and oppression and pain and evil. That would have been great. That would have been amazing in and of itself, but it still leaves us humanity saying, well, what's next? What do we do? Wondering What does the rest of the story look like? So the process of crucifixion didn't keep him down. He rose from the grave. And it tells us something really important about Jesus that we all need to get today. And I need to remember in my own life that Jesus keeps his promises. Jesus keeps his promises. I'm sure some of you have dealt with situations or people where like they didn't keep their promises. Or maybe they've promised something. You're like, I don't know if I can trust them. A couple of months ago, my wife and I, after 25 years of having pretty much the same appliances, figured we needed a few new ones. And we did need a few new ones. So we bought them, and they arrived to our house, and we were a little bit, little bit of renovations going on. And we kept some in the box because some of the renovations were going on, and I don't want to get them scratched up. And so there was this microwave we got, and I opened it up two and a half weeks after it arrived. And I opened it up and pulled it out, and there's this huge, like, two-inch dent on the side. Now, I figured it would work, but I figured we bought the microwave. We should, we should use one without a dent, right? So, so, so it, I called the store. They're like, you signed off on the delivery? I'm like, yeah, that was two and a half weeks ago, but I never opened the box. And like, well, that's, you know, and then, so I called like customer service. I called around. I called the store, talked to the assistant manager. And he's like, there's nothing we can do. And I said, but you're telling me if I would have bought this at Best Buy or I would have bought this at Canadian Tire, I could return it. But at your store, I can't. They're like, no, it's not our policy. I'm sorry. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm like, okay. So, you know, and if you know me, I, I didn't give up. I just kind of kept going. <laughs> and so I talked to other people. 
And then um, finally they said, you know what? Here's what we're going to do, David. We're going to send a new one to the store, bring the old one back, and, uh, and we'll give you one. And I said, what about the scratches that happened when they brought the fridge in? <laughs> Anyways, so, so they're like, look, we it was three weeks ago. We can't prove it. I'm like, I'm not a liar. But anyways, so, so they said, they said I'll give you, we'll give you a $75 gift card uh, at the store. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. But here's the thing. After everything I went through, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get this gift card. Like two days passed, one week passed, two weeks, three weeks, a month. I'm like, I didn't know if I could trust their promises. Right? That happens. Anyways, I got the gift card, finally. <laughs> so, but it's true, we don't often have trust in promises. My dad, when he, um, well, all throughout his life, he, he, he became a follower of Christ at a really young age, like six or seven years old. Beautiful story. And um, later in his life, as some of who are part of my, our church community know this because I've shared moments of my dad's life, at the age of 60, he had to um, deal with a, some a growth in the bottom of his leg and his leg had to be amputated and he had to get therapy for that. Five years later, this cancer returns and, uh, and it just begins to take his life. And he was uh, pastoring at the time. Half of his life or most of his life, he was involved in business. And then in his 40s, he went into full-time ministry. And his last, last message that he preached um, before he just couldn't anymore, he just, he just shared his story of his life with Jesus. And he said it in such a personal way. He just described this person that he met when he was six or seven years old that carried him through every phase of his life and walked with him in this phase of his life, in this phase of his life, through this valley, through this mountain, through this success, through this struggle, through this relationship, through this transition. And the last message he shared with his church was, Jesus has been with me my whole life. He is not letting go of me now. And three months later, he passed away and and three weeks before he passed away was the final time that he sits at the piano. And whenever he sat at the piano, he played often what was on his mind and his heart. And he played a song called What a Friend I Have in Jesus. He played a song that how Jesus walks with him or he wa- they're just walking in the garden together. He plays a song that talks about the future creation that one day, what a day this will be when me and my Savior are, you know, meet. And so these are like just the last few weeks of his life that he's letting everybody know, or at least those of us in the house, is like, Jesus is still with me. He's the one who keeps promises. And so Jesus keeps his promises. And what I, what here, here's my question for you and me today, like especially today on Easter, is what else has Jesus promised you and me that we're missing? What else has Jesus promised you and me that we're missing? There's three or four of them, and one of them is forgiveness. And we're not going to read it all here, but oh my gosh, if you have not explored the scriptures, read the stories of Jesus, the gospel accounts of Jesus. Read other parts of the New Testament and the rest of scriptures and realize that Christ promises us forgiveness, that when we feel like we sit under the weight of shame or under the weight of guilt or under the weight of regret, in Christ we're forgiven. In fact, one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons or things that Jesus accomplished on the cross is forgiveness for all the weight of sin and pain and death that we sit under. And that's a promise for you and me. 
He promises transformation that when we come to him and follow him and embrace him and trust in his crucifixion and his resurrection, he begins to change us and transform us. The apostle Paul later wrote who he did meet Jesus. He says, when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's a promise that Jesus gives you and me. He promises us reconciliation. One of the biggest themes in scripture, and you can find it in one of Paul's letters to this church in Ephesus, where he just talks about the two becoming one, what's broken becoming united, what is torn apart is becoming healed. And he just talks about this reconciliation that we find vertically with God and then that overflows horizontally with other people, that that's possible as we follow Christ. In fact, when we go back to the earliest pages of scriptures, we read about a world that kind of breaks apart and those relationships are broken. The vertical relationship between us and God, a horizontal relationship between us and the people around us, and often even our relationship with the planet and the cosmos. But Jesus comes and he wants to restore that. And when we follow Christ, that's another promise. He says, you can be reconciled with your heavenly father. And that reconciliation pours out as you open that up to others. And that's where forgiveness and transformation and reconciliation all works together. But he promises one more thing, and he promises new creation. That's why my dad, as he's three months towards his death, can say, Jesus walked with me all this time. He's going to walk with me to the end of this life and into the next. That, that Jesus, who I know, who has kept his promises and has been with me, he, my dad was able to play at the piano that day. What a day that will be when my Jesus I will see, and the scripture says that when we see him, we'll be like him, that's another promise for you and me, right? And so these are these promises, and I I just got to ask you the question, because I think so many of us come to a day like this, or maybe in a season of our life, what other promises of Jesus, like the three or four we mentioned here, that you and I are missing, that we're missing, that we're forgetting? Jesus promises all those too. And here's the beauty of today. Here's the beauty of today. If resurrection happened, if Jesus kept that promise, why not make room for the other promises? If Jesus kept that promise, which is pretty extraordinary, and he gives us these promises, which are wonderful, which make life life, then why not make room for these promises and for the kind of life that he wants to give you and he wants to give me? I'm going to invite the team to come up as we... Just come back to celebrate in a moment. But here's, here's the thing. If this is true, and it is true, when we read these gospel accounts, like we, when we read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, and John, and we read this, we cannot, this, this is not just like some narrative. This is people who have, who have seen Jesus, who have walked with Christ, who went through the, 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 the despair of seeing him die, being disillusioned on Holy Saturday, then recognizing that he rose from the dead, seeing him appear to them, and all, so many pieces of these stories, the, 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 the corroborating evidence in this, brings us to this understanding that if this wasn't true, they would have been dead or killed. If this wasn't true, they wouldn't share it because it was too crazy to share. If it was truly the women who saw this at the tomb and went and talked to the men and and told the disciples, in a culture like that, that wouldn't have stood as evidence. Why would they even write that, knowing that they could be falsified unless they were telling the truth? 
And so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John tell us these stories towards the end of Jesus' life. And I say the word story not as a myth, but as the story of Jesus' life. And these manuscripts that have been, uh, you know, written within two, three decades of Christ's death, because as people that knew Jesus, that followed Christ, that knew and saw him even after the resurrection, as they were starting to die off, the church started to say, hey, wait a second, we got to tell these stories. We're the only ones that are telling these stories. We got to write this down. And they they write them down for everyone to hear about. So if what happened happened, then why not make room for the other promises? So two things. Why not, one, first, let the resurrection expose your lack or my lack of trust. Let's face it. Like, there are things that we don't trust Jesus with. There are things that we don't trust what he said. There's things that we read and say, I think that's true. I believe he's Lord, but I don't know if I want to trust it in my own life. And I'd say, let the resurrection expose any lack of trust we have in Jesus. And then secondly, let the resurrection change your expectation of what Jesus can do. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. Let the resurrection change any expectation. If you are struggling and you're like, I need to forgive, I need forgiveness, I need more forgiveness in my life, Jesus promises me that, but I don't know if it could really happen. Let the resurrection change your perspective, change your expectation that Christ can also bring forgiveness to you and to those around you as you let it overflow. And that's the same with transformation. It's the same with reconciliation. And it's the same with trust in the new creation one day. See, when Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the fullest, he's, really, he's good on that promise. Like, you don't have to doubt like I doubted on the other end of that customer service call. Like, he is good for that promise. And so I want to invite you today to explore for yourself, to say, if you're here for the first time especially, or you're just starting to, like, consider who Jesus is, explore for yourself who he is, what he taught, what the life he offers you. You can do this on your own. You can pick up a Bible. We'll give you a Bible. You can find it online, read through the Gospels, and explore it for yourself. But here's even better. Explore it with us. We're a community that loves to explore the the life and teachings of Jesus and the rest of the scriptures. Do it with us. We do that every Sunday. That's what we do. And even beyond Sundays in some other environments. Do it with us. In the next three weeks, I want to invite you personally. Next week, we're starting a short three-week series before, as we we lean into spring, really about life. Like, what kind of life do we get from resurrection? What does that mean in the middle of a world that feels like it's decaying? How can we find life? So that's what we're, we're starting with next week. So come back and explore with us and explore what's next. But if you're here today, if you're a guest today, I just want to encourage you today, for some of you, it's an event, but I want to encourage you to make it a beginning, not just an event. Like, don't just come today, but allow today to be a beginning. It can be a beginning of exploration. And for some who have already been exploring, it can be a day where you begin a relationship with Jesus. And the Apostle Paul, who came to encounter Jesus post-resurrection, not the physical resurrected Jesus, but post-resurrection, he encountered Christ and, 
And he discovered that life and he discovered change and transformation and forgiveness and reconciliation. He discovered all that and he started and planted churches. And he says to one church in the, in the city of Rome, the same Rome, Roman Empire that was part and parcel of the crucifixion, he says, if you can, to, this, to these Christians in that place, he says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the grave, you will be saved. In other words, you will be rescued. You can discover and receive this life that comes through the resurrected Christ. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he rose from the grave, you can find this life too. And that's my invitation to you, that in this moment today as we pray, that you, if you're at that, that, that place in the journey, you've been exploring already, and you're like, yes, I want to confess this. I want, I, I do believe this. And I long for this life that only Christ can bring me. And I invite you to do that with us today as we pray. And just before we pray, you know, I know there's many Christ followers in the room, and me included, I'm with you. I've been following Jesus for a while. But I too can sometimes lack trust in Christ. I too can sometimes expect less from Jesus and not realize what he's promised. I too can sometimes miss out on the fullness of forgiveness and the fullness of transformation and the fullness of reconciliation. So if that's you today, let today remind you that if Jesus kept that promise, these promises are still for you in growing ways, in increasing ways as we continue to follow Jesus. So let Jesus do that in your own life. Maybe some things of your life feel like it's crushing you and literally, even though you follow Christ, you might be saying those words, man, I just need to survive. But resurrection promises us, no, we don't just need to survive. Jesus wants to give us life. And maybe there's been things that have been cluttering that life that's already yours in Christ, but other stuff has kind of gotten in the way. And today, in the next few moments, you just, I want you to just give yourself to Christ and ask him to clear all that away so you can rediscover, reaffirm, remember, and continue in this life that he's given you. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, as Jesus, your Son, taught us to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're so grateful for your kingdom and your will being enacted in the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We thank you that your kingdom was unleashed in the most counterintuitive, countercultural way on a cross and confirmed and affirmed and brought through victory in the resurrection. God, we pray that for ourselves. We long for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in us, in our hearts, in our lives. And we think about the promises of that prayer. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, we think of the promises that Christ presents to us, that Christ promises, gives us in his death and resurrection, the promise of forgiveness, the promise of transformation, the promise of reconciliation, the promise of new creation that we all long for. 
And God, for some here in this room or watching online today that have never made that step, if they're making that step today, God, oh, and if you're here and you want to just pray that to say, I confess. And I believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. This is a step towards the life he longs to give you. God, if people are praying that, and people are, if the posture of their hearts is towards that, God, would you flood their hearts with fresh new life from you and help them make steps in you to continue following you and knowing you and discovering the fullness of that life. And if that's you today, I just bless you and pray for you and pray that God would respond to your prayer, to your step. It's not an invitation to a perfect life. It's an invitation to a life that comes sourced in Christ. And God, for all of us here, anyone here who is following you but maybe have, has just, just caught such a bad wind, such a bad uh, turn, some kind of detour, something, God, that has just thrown us off, that is, that is also today exposed our lack of trust in you or exposed our, our little expectation of the life that you long for us. God, I pray that you would help us to surrender any of that to you in this moment. And in fresh ways, God, we long to know your resurrection life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.